Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Hello dear listeners, it's me, Luke, your friend from way back when. We've known each other for a long time now, haven't we? Feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? We first met back when you were having some trouble. Can't remember exactly what kind of trouble. It could have been something big and serious like you didn't know what to eat for dinner. Or something small and silly like you didn't know what to eat for dinner. As you stared at the open kitchen cabinet at the endless rows of tinned beans and tomatoes... Mouth agape, saliva pooling, you dug your fingers into your ears. Remember? Yes. Yeah. You were staring at the wall and you suddenly thought that the world was so damn noisy, so you dug your index fingers all the way in and dug a little more until there wasn't a single whisper of the outside world left. There was only the sound of your blood beating against your eardrums in rhythmic, gushing thumps. And that's when you heard it. The theme tune. The music. And the stories, ever so many stories, from nothing, you imagined up an entire podcast. And you even named it, you call it The Other Stories. You and The Other Stories have since been on all sorts of adventures, like way back when you visited Volume 1, Alien Invasion. And that time you took a trip to Volume 79, Mirrors. And remember Volume 12, Under the Bed, or Volume 30, London Underground, or what about Volume 45, Abandoned Places? And it was only last month you stopped off at Volume 88, Strange Weather, 
And what's that? Just up ahead. Look. Well, if it isn't volume 89, Imaginary Friends. How fitting. And it looks like you and the other stories have got some games to play too. Not just hopscotch and hide and seek, but bigger, better games like the incomparable Freddy Red with myself and brand new TOS narrator Matthew Lloyd-Davies and the collector with Chris Lilienthal and narrator Justin Fife. Oh, and there's the game of Loved and Lost or Never at All with new TOS writer Thomas Joyce and longtime consonant artist Josh Curran. Then there's Blue Bear with writer Georgia Cook and James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horace himself. And for a bonus playtime session, we're going to be playing Undeniable with Laura Stemick and Jasmine Arch. Though that game will be invite only, it will be TOS Plus only. All imaginary friend playtime sessions will be chaperoned by audio editor fund specialists Carl Hughes, Duncan Muggleton and James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horace. And then... Sometime later, much later, when the games are finished, you'll pull your fingers from your ears and realise that none of it was ever real. All of this, the theme tune, the music, the stories, was only ever in your head. And no matter how hard you'll try to get it back, you never will. Never, ever, ever. But that's later. For now, welcome to Volume 89. If you enjoy what we do, be sure to become a TOS Plus member. This will get you exclusive content, ad-free, early access in high-quality audio and community fun times. And on top of that, you'll be supporting your favourite weekly weird fiction podcast. More info can be found at theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Or just go and subscribe either via Apple's premium podcast service or Patreon. Speaking of Patreon. Over on Patreon, we have one new super-powered patron. So prepare to taste the rainbow, smell the dream, and welcome to the super-powered Patreon team, Moira Moo, who has electrokinetic disco powers, which is the ability to generate and control electricity through dance moves, turning any dance floor into a dazzling and electrifying spectacle. Thanks for joining the fight, Moira Moo, the fight to take over the world of independent audio fiction, you will get access to over 75 exclusive episodes a week early and ad-free, including this month's exclusive episode, Moorbrook, written by Susie Williamson and narrated by Josh Curran. Deep in the heart of Dartmoor, John is a guilty man. As the mist closes in, he wonders, will he escape retribution? And I don't know, you have to become a TOS Plus member to, to be able to listen to it. Okay, with our recent release of our first TOS audiobook, territory i had a dig around the old audio archives and i found an interview i did with the author dan howarth back in 2021 and i listened back and i thought it was a really great interview full of inspiring tidbits that i think you listeners are going to love if you do want to pick up territory it's available on all good audiobook platforms i think you can even ask for it at libraries or head to theotherstories.net forward slash territory and buy it direct Oh, and you get a free download if you're a patron at the $10 level. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver for that. In the meantime, I'll leave you with this interview with Dan himself, Man Howarth. You mentioned a little while ago there was a turning point in your writing where you suddenly got very serious about it. And now you write every day. You write two books a year, I think. 
you're shopping for an agent. Yep. Um, you're wearing suits and blazers to when you're at the writing desk, and you're clocking in. <laughs> I mean, my first question is why? Why now? Why? Why so professional? Uh, that's a very good question. Professional is probably um, a matter of perspective, I would say. But one of the, I think, one of the drivers for it was like all through my life, like a lot of us, you know, we've want, I've wanted to write and. It always seems like when you're younger or whatever, you just have like all the time in the world to just do what you want to do, pursue your projects and all that kind of stuff. And for me, it always kind of felt like the more time I had, the more time I had to waste in some respects. So I kind of spend a lot of time on the writing ritual, you know, back back in the day. I'd, I'd make sure the tea was at the perfect temperature and, you know, the right font was selected and all this kind of nonsense and stuff that doesn't really matter. And I'd, I'd probably spend more time thinking about writing than I actually did ever producing anything. And then like 2016 summer, uh, my daughter was born and it was just like, I was downstairs one night and I was just thinking, like I was waiting for the bottle to heat up and I was just like, oh shit, like I don't have all that time anymore. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna be able to get any writing done. And in some respects, like having that time kind of condensed um, has just really made it easier to be more productive. So it kind of started with my lunchtime ritual, where it was, you know, it's, it's easy when you're at work to just sit there for your hour and, you know, muck about on, you know, the Guardian website or whatever it is where you eat your sandwich. So I was like, right, I'm going to, this one, I'm going to start doing my writing during my lunch hour. So I started off and probably I'd get like 100 words done in the hour, like just tapping away at this, this little tablet with a tiny little keyboard that I had. Um, and over time you just kind of train yourself to be able to to do it a bit better so you turn off your internal editor and just bang you know you you get in that routine of sitting there you know i'm sat in this office i'm wearing i'm wearing my work work clothes my 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 shirt and tie and all that kind of get up which i wouldn't recommend as the most comfortable writing wear um but you know you you do feel like a a pure cold-hearted businessman which in some respects uh, is good for productivity did you ever find um, I used to write at lunch as well um, and I used to all my friends in the different teams would be sat around a table chatting and I'd just walk past to the loan <laughs> to like the, the table on my own and sit down and get the laptop out and start writing there was always a part of me that was like what do they think I'm up to yeah. like, <laughs> I mean like I learned I learned pretty early like you've you've got to take yourself somewhere else if you're trying to do it in the canteen there's always somebody who a wants to be sociable, which is fine. You know, I can tolerate that. I, I get it. Or b the worst type of person who knows you're on your lunch and still comes to ask you something about work. Uh, the worst. Those people will burn in hell. I am sure of it. So you've got to get yourself away from those kind of time bandits. So I would. What I was doing was booking like a meeting room because nobody used them at lunchtime. So I was booking a meeting room and just going and sitting in there like. And people look at you like you're a psychopath because a lot of them are kind of glass fronted. So you, they know that you're sat there on your own and they're either thinking, this guy is either planning a murder or plotting plotting a promotion. Like, and both of them aren't a particularly good look, are they? The, the best place that I used to, well, in fact, that kind of happened at the current job that I'm at now, but I've been fortunate enough to work over the road from two libraries. So I can go over there and you can kind of distance yourself from your work stuff and 
be surrounded by books, which I am 95% sure makes you more productive. If you're trying to write while there's a book in the room, it will it will make you write more. I'm sure of it. That is science. Yeah. And so two books a year, that's the kind of pace that you're currently on. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. So I'm just well, hoping to, by the end of November, have wrapped up the second one for this year. Um, and that includes having launched a short story collection of which a couple of those were originals as well. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, so do you have like do you have like a daily word count? Do you set like quarterly goals? Do you have a whiteboard with what you need to do on there? I do have a, a whiteboard. Uh, I'm looking at it now, and I think we discussed this on the other story. So this is just the crib sheet that I stole from Chuck Polinick's book I'm writing. Um, and that's all just written in capital letters. So that's not a writing goal. But the the goals have like gone over time, really. So now if there hasn't been like a working day in which I've been writing when I haven't written a thousand words for like probably four years, I would say. Uh, I did keep a spreadsheet at one point, but that just felt a bit too mathematical. You've, had um, bur- you've burnt in the, the routine now. Yeah, I mean... You're never going to stop. Yeah, it, it evolved over time. Like I say, it was 100 words and then I'd set that as my target because that felt like a lot at, at first. And then I remember the first day I did like 500 and I was like, right, I'm going to do this every day now. And then it was the same with 1,000. I mean, to be honest, I have days when I'll get closer to 2,000, but 1,000 is the absolute minimum. Once I get to 1,000, that's it. I can feel like I can relax then. And when and when you sit down to do your words for the day, do you go over the previous words from yesterday or do you just go straight on to the next sentence? Yeah, I mean, I think this is part of the mindset. Is like, I don't know, always try and keep like the story in your head as best that I can. You know, the part of going over to the library was a good thing because I'd kind of be walking over that road and, you know, I'm not thinking about the traffic. I'm just thinking about, all oh, right, okay, this is what I've got to write today. And that's kind of, you know, if you get that in your head, it, uh, it, you know, makes sitting down a lot easier to, you know, to just kind of click straight into gear. Because if you've only got an hour, you know, you, you can't wait, waste 10, 15 minutes of that sitting around reading what you've written. So you've kind of got to be able to read over perhaps that last one or two sentences and then just click straight into gear and, and go from there. Okay, so this is all, this is all fine and dandy on like on a good day. The sun's out. You've had a great cracking cup of tea. Everything's going well. But what about like? I have to be honest. This past week, I found it quite difficult to be quite productive. I've been on a sort of a downtrend. What do you do during those weeks where you just feel like we well, ran out of milk? The sun isn't out. Your zips undone. What do you when things aren't going right? How do you? I don't know. Get you to like click yourself over into the correct mindset. I think it's because I've been doing it. It's just become a routine for so long. It's something that you don't even think about. It's like when you go running, for example, you kind of shut your brain down to like the most core part of you that you need to get your arms and legs moving and get you around that distance. Like that, that's pretty much the mindset that you get in. It's right, you know, we're going to go from naught to a thousand here, and these are the things that we need to do. Um, you know, it, it is like anything. It's you know, playing the guitar. It's going for a run. It's, it's practice, it's training. You know, it's nobody run, goes out and just runs 10 miles. Nobody sits down and just writes a thousand words out of nowhere. You know, you have to 
have to keep training yourself you have to keep it in that routine you know monday monday through friday you know every day i don't do it at the weekends it has to be said um but yeah monday through friday every day minimum thousand words it's just you know it is just routine now it has literally been you know five years pretty much so you've kind of um protected yourself against uh those down weeks um by just building this like incredibly solid inner what do they call it the inner citadel i mean it's like a stoic uh philosophy like you, you build the inner walls and like the outside world just can't can't break through that's that's awesome and i'm very very jealous what was the um what was the chuck polonic books you mentioned there sorry uh consider this it's called his writing book so there's like 10 bullet points i think that i've written down to just summarize the whole book and then i just look up at those and think ah chuck's shouting at me again i better make sure i get these words written yeah man uh and so um and you're shopping for an agent at the minute you're getting your work out to the traditional marketplace what uh, but i mean you're doing a bit of both actually you've got the northern republic thing going on and you've all and you're also trying to get your work out into the traditional markets why uh why go that route why not go full indie i think it's quite i have quite a limited skill set in some respects like you know part of what holds me back is artwork really when it comes to producing my own own books like you know perhaps i should sit down and try and train myself to learn to draw or something but yeah the, I, I can't do covers to be honest which is part of the problem so some of that is funding really finding good artists you know you, people deserve who you know kind of produce that top quality art you know they they deserve to be paid you can't expect to get that kind of stuff for free so you know that there's costs that come with bringing books out yourself um and to be honest i'd like to try and you know break into to markets you know i'm sure like a lot of us the dream is to one day walk into a bookshop and see a book that you've written on the shelf you know that's that's the ultimate goal to to kind of have that or have a family member kind of take a picture of themselves with your book in a proper shop you know all those kind of things and I think for the most part, unless you're extremely lucky or dedicate more time to it than I have, you know, to, to do that yourself, to make it happen yourself is is quite an ask. Well, the thing is getting an agent, I mean, they always say that's incredibly hard and, and maybe more so now with the traditional market, not narrowing, but there's, I, I feel like maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but uh, the big five is now the big three. Is that correct? Like the the big houses are buying each other up, so there might be less spots for traditionally published books. I'm, I have no idea. Is, does that sound about right? Yeah, I think they're all eating each other, aren't they? Um, and becoming one massive corporate publishing conglomerate. I'm not really sure, but uh, but yeah, that's the the nut you're trying to crack. I think they all have different imprints and all that kind of stuff, don't they? Yeah, and the interesting thing I think is like nowadays most people do independently publish which is completely fine um i wonder if because everyone's doing that like there's more room at the top potentially i mean i'm sure it's still incredibly difficult to break in but maybe there's a little more uh space to uh, to fit yourself into 
a little bit of a bigger hole to crawl into. Yeah, you'd hope so. And I mean, you know, it, regardless of what happens, you know, I'll still continue to bring my own books out. The reason, you know, as I've said, that I can't bring them all out myself is is largely financial. And and as you'd know as well yourself, you know, the time that it takes to to market and properly promote your own work is is significant. Um, you know, and that and that can take away from the writing, which ultimately is the one thing that we want to all have the time to do, isn't it? So, you know, even if I was lucky enough to get an agent and a proper publishing, you know, a, a proper publishing contract, that's so condescending, isn't it? You know, a, a, a traditional publishing contract, I'd, I'd still like to bring out, you know, novellas or short stories or whatever it may be myself as well on the side, because, you know, novellas regardless and are a big market for independent publishers, but no traditional publisher is really bringing them out in any volume. What was that book? Um, uh, Eric LaRocca's book that like went viral. Oh, uh, things have got worse since we last spoke. That one. Yeah, that one. Um, uh, I mean, I think you. I mean, I think the cover did a lot to help it sort of push it to that viral status. But it's done amazingly well. I mean, the metrics I go by are like how many good read reviews a book has got, and most of the times I'll be impressed like with like more than twenty. Like, whoa, bloody hell. This one's got like, I think it's up 5,000. It's only been out for like uh, a month or two. I'm sure I read something. He's sold like 10,000 copies of that. Yeah, and that was a little while back, right? I seem to remember Sam Richard, the publisher, saying that. Yeah, and like uh, the book just seems to be popping up everywhere. I think they've got to the point where they've, they've broken through into a much bigger space where bookshops are now ordering it in. Um, and that was, I would not independent, small press, but um, yeah, it's... Uh, you never, you never know these horror novellas. Get the right cover, make it as uh, w- what we talked about a while back, right to be remembered. I think this story might be particularly disturbing. So people have been recommending it. It's amazing. It's amazing how far you can go with it. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, horror in particular works so well in that novella form because, you know, so often you read a, a great horror novel that kind of falls flat towards the end. You know, if you can condense that story down to 30, 40,000 words, that's that's the real sweet spot for me. I think Farah, it works really well. And uh, so Northern Republic. Um, so a couple of questions here. Why why that name and, and what that reason? Uh, Northern Republic is not just a company name. It's a political philosophy as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, it's... Yeah, it's uh, oh, this is going to be a tricky one to uh, tough tough sell to anybody south of Birmingham. But uh, yeah, I just think that you know up here we're uh, particularly in publishing terms as well. We're uh, we're a bit forgotten about. We're a bit neglected, and not just uh, publishing by any kind of uh, media industry jobs. Yeah, well, we've got BBC now, haven't we? I guess, and uh, you know, so that so that's something. But uh, but by and large, you know, we're we're overlooked by the south, and uh, I think, in fairness, we've we've got a lot going for us up here, and I think we've got a bit of fury, which uh, I think manifests itself well in a lot of people's art from this part of the world. Yeah. So Northern Republic, when you named your imprint that, it's almost like a two-word manifesto. No, that doesn't sound right. That sounds too too political. I don't know. It's almost like. Um, there's 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 meaning in there that uh, more than just a name, if that makes sense, as a call to action or something. Yes, it's, 
Exactly, it's a bit of a statement. You know, you've got the the kind of clenched fist of defiance, which you know. So, are you planning on uh, taking over London? If I can call the banners and they'll march south with me, then yeah, by all means, let's let's get it started. All right, man. Let's uh, let's move on to the big hard one. Oh God! Which is a slightly difficult question. It might not be slightly difficult. It might be extremely difficult. I'm not too sure yet, but. You're in uh, your allotment, which I haven't mentioned yet. You you have an allotment, right? I haven't made yeah, that up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're in your allotment and you reach in to pluck out a garlic clove or a cabbage or, or something. But it's actually the you from the future. And the you from the future wipes the mud from his face and eyes and bum and says he's here to give you a single piece of advice that you, the you of today need to hear more than anything. What does he say to you? don't you dare give up is probably what he'd say because this is the thing that you were saying before about how do you do it every day well you switch off that little bit of you know oh I'm tired oh I've got a cold or whatever and some days it is easier to just put your trackies on instead of your jeans and uh, and not do as many words as you should so yeah don't you dare give up I think he's going to say and he'd probably give me a slap around the face as well cool man so it wasn't that hard really the big hard one was just um, don't give up that's that's it. It's like um, the streaks mentality. Uh, Jerry, not Jerry McGuire. Jerry Spring Spring. No, what's his name? Jerry Seinfeld. That's what I'm trying to say. He used to write a joke a day. Like I think a joke that he was happy with a day. So he probably wrote I don't know ten, and had like one he was pretty chuffed with. And he said the uh, he when he did it he, he like crossed off the day on the calendar, and then he just had to build up a streak. And he just told himself he, he could never miss a day because you've broke the streak. That was almost more more painful than just missing a single day. Like you'd have to start all over again. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's like a Duolingo if you ever use that app. No, what is that? Like a dating app? No, it's a, you learn language on it. So you can use like, you can do all sorts of languages on there, but um, you build up a streak. So I've got like a streak of getting on for like 900 days consecutively or whatever. And you, you don't get anything for it, but it's, they've kind of gamified learning a language. So, you know, every day that you get it, you get this, you know, the flame lights up and all that kind of stuff when you complete your exercise and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it keep, keeps you engaged, keeps you wanting to do it. And I guess in some ways, like keeping the spreadsheet at one point was like that. Um, you know, it's like got to got to fill it in, got to type it, got to make that box go green or whatever on the spreadsheet. And you know if you can gamify it or kind of give yourself an incentive like that it's it does make a big difference yeah okay i think i have a big a big takeaway from this uh experience this episode i'm gonna have to get back and i'm gonna have to build up that streak again just gonna have to do it down now with the thing is i wish i had some more advice to you than other than just being like so bloody minded like it's so important though isn't it that that particular piece of advice and it's easy to think ah it's just that's just wishy-washy but it's not it's like it is solid for a reason yeah absolutely and the thing is like it is it is a hard-earned skill because all through school or whatever people would you know teachers would be like you gotta do this you gotta do that i did absolutely no work at all through through school through college through university i just absolutely coasted like this is the first thing writing that i've you know, in the last few years, I've actually really worked hard to develop a skill at. 
you know, to consistently practice to build up some backbone and some resilience and just to overcome that resistance that we all face to sitting down at the keyboard. Like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of doing that, but unfortunately there is there is no trick to it. You just have to get yourself to the keyboard every day and just tell yourself, right, it's going to get done and force yourself to do it. And some days it is difficult and some days, you know, because I'm writing quickly, the words are, words are crap. But when they're done, you can fix them. You can't fix nothing. As people always say, you know, you can't fix a blank page. So you just got to get yourself there. And some days you'll finish on 1,400 words and go, oh, my God, that was awesome. And some days you'll get to 1,001 and go, oh, thank Christ, that's over. But you just, you know, go and have a cup of tea, have your sleep, wake up the next morning, rinse and repeat, you know. It all starts over again. Yeah, lovely stuff. All right, man. Well, we've got... Uh, oh, watch out. It's the quickfire round. Number one. How much wood could a Dan Howarth cut if you had a consistent daily wood count? 17 planks an hour. Number two. When you park your car, do you go in backwards, forwards, or do you just roll it into the spot? Ace Ventura style. Interesting. Roll it into the slot. Yeah, into the space every time. Number three. Who does... Number two, work for? Number one. Favourite Jim Carrey noise? Oof, uh, oh, now you're asking. Jesus Christ. Number five. Uh, last one. Uh, where can we follow you and your work? Uh, you can find me on the cesspool is Twitter, uh, at danhoweth2020. Um, or you can find me at my website, www.danhowarthwriter.com and also at time of speaking if you sign up to my mailing list you'll still be able to access two of the three offers that are incoming on my books as we near the end of the year well done nice one <laughs> alright man I'm going to start recording and next 